This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Alrighty, guys. Welcome back to another Land Legacy Podcast. and your host, Matt Dye, and I've got... Land Legacy Consultant Alan Summerford with me on the line. Alan, how are you doing this morning? Man, doing great. Enjoying this nice little touch of fall like weather. It's like 63 degrees in the deep south this morning. I love it. I love it. It's probably it's probably right at right the same same thing here this morning um, in Missouri. And it's just like this is a nice little reprieve. It's supposed to get to 92 today, but for the morning, I'll take it. Watching the sunrise right. on the front porch, and I know you're on your your porch too. So, um, podcast listeners, if there's background noise, just enjoy it along with us. If we don't get this <laughs> that often, I love it. <laughs> I love a good quiet morning, and um, man, we're just in, enjoying being outside. And um, man, it does it does feel a touch a touch like fall. And uh, Adam and I recorded yesterday talking about. Um, what summertime photos, what they mean now, and how they can, but really often don't relate to the fall. And um, I had another batch of pretty dang good photos come through yesterday. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. Hmm. This this is kind of getting me a little more excited now. So be sure to check out that podcast, guys. That's, uh, that's on this feed this week as well. Um, we've got another HuntWorks uh, episode launching so um be checking that out uh, on the sportsman's channel there'll be more content coming to youtube um here in the next few months regarding season one um and season two is underway filming so there's just so much happening it's all good stuff it's fun stuff um and alan we we had a podcast last week together as we were traveling around i feel like pretty much all the southeast we covered some ground last week yeah, we fun. did. We sure did. I so we had a rental car, and um, I ended up. Well, I say I. We put, we we doubled when I returned it. We doubled the mileage that it had on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so we 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 could definitely put some miles under our boots, and um, it was fun. We had a good time, and at the same time, we recorded a podcast. And so, guys, this is this is going to be part two of the podcast that that Al and I recorded last week or two weeks ago now, I guess it was, um, regarding pines in the South and kind of the, oh, the, the future, but what we're seeing here currently. And it was a, it was a a little bit more difficult podcast to do because it, it was, there wasn't like a, um, I'm not gonna say happy ending, but, um, it was just a reality and the reality that a lot of folks are in. And I had a lot of, a lot of people, um, reach out to me, um, happy and encouraged that we did that podcast too, Alan, because they kind of felt like, man, I'm the only one in that boat. Like, I, I feel like I've got all these pines and I can't do anything with them. Um, and that's varying acreage from 700 acres to, um, 20 acres and, and, it's a difficult position to be in. Um, so we recorded the podcast, really explained the scenario, the situation, the future of it. And now we want to come back in part two and provide a few a few more action items as to what to do now if you are in that boat. Um, because I don't want to leave it hanging to just describe a a crummy situation um but and 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 what do we do now how do we take it from here and and uh try to improve recreational property that is um, it doesn't even have to be dominated in pine it just has to be some acres um that have been devoted at some point to monoculture pine management so i've talked enough alan how are you doing this morning you ready to talk about pines I'm ready to talk about pines. Ready to hit it again. Um, so coming coming off of off of that trip, you and I've been talking uh, quite a bit regarding some some plans and all that we have. 
So why don't you, um, why don't you, why don't you break down um, one of the farms that we went to specifically? Um, it was a portion, of an eighty-acre portion of a property that was recently harvested and then even more recently planted back in pines. And guys, we're going to try and provide help on on the different what to do in different stages of pines if if you're having difficulty in someone coming and harvesting them um, or they're saying there's no economic value there um, or you can't even give them away but that's going to be right uh, totally different stages so we're trying to capture you know if you will a 15 20 year period here within a podcast and, and, and what to do with pines so we're going to touch on some high points um, but but right now, honestly, if, if someone's trying to alter some pines and they're they're in a young stage, the options are, are quite a bit more substantial than um than than older pines. So why don't you break down that scenario for us, Alan? Right. So this eighty acres they had they had sprayed a mazapiron and they they actually weren't able to get all of the pines to, to start with. So they they were gonna clear cut the whole thing. And of course, they couldn't get there till late in the summer. Then it went to rain, and they had to pull out. So they left some. Um, they sprayed the amazapir. They killed most everything, and planted pines back. But the crazy thing was, how much good stuff was coming up out there. Yeah, how it was teeming with wildlife. I mean, you could hear quail, um, just the songbirds, kind of birds. Just, yeah. I mean, it was just full of life, and it's about waist high uh, and i mean everywhere you look there's there's like amazing plants yeah and i can't even name all of them but there was tons of really 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 good stuff i think i think of well partridge pea american yes. burnweed pokeweed there was some native grass that had popped through um early on there too um desmodiums but those were oh, some of the those were some of the everywhere top right there easily accessible and available just as soon as you step out of the truck you can see that oh yeah yeah and you know thinking about it that probably that that site that 80 acres out of the thousands that we saw during and throughout the week i i want to say that probably was the most alive site that we saw that we stepped like audibly by far and biodiversity wise I don't think it's I don't think it's any um really any question in my head of that was the most biodiverse plant and animal life uh that we that we probably saw and think about that from a disturbance standpoint to those people and and I'm like that's not that's not stretching the truth whatsoever in regards to like oh okay guys like it was just cut last year yeah but like that's how <laughs> that and it wasn't even it wasn't pines before it w- it was it was a mix of pines and hardwoods but that's how quickly wildlife are dependent upon diversity and and, and a disturbance and and many of the species that we're talking about are disturbance driven species but like i i just as we're going back through that in our head um they kind of caught me as like that really was the most biodiverse and most interaction I think that we had with wildlife on, on any site. And it had, it was the freshest. It was the most new vegetation and, and early it was more succession. vegetation. It was more vegetation than the deer could even shake a stick at. Like it literally yeah. was more food than they could eat. And it had just been clear cut. It hadn't even, I mean, it had maybe two and a half to three months worth of regeneration. And it had already been sprayed as well, so it wasn't even completely full. I think there's some, right. there were some issues with the spraying um, because it didn't knock out as much as it should um, from a typical pine planting um, spray application. So regardless, teeming with wildlife. And um, I think people would be shocked to hear that. <laughs> but continue, <laughs> continue. Yeah, so... So then, you know, he had pines planted back across the whole thing. So it's teeming with wildlife now. 
But in five years, and maybe not even five years, at the stage it was, you know, being waist high to chest high now in a lot of areas, at the stage it was, it's going to become very, very, very close canopy very, very quick. It's going to it's going to be out of reach of deer extremely quick. And there will be nothing you can do if your goal is to save every pine tree. Correct. You're, you're just, your hands are tied. There's, there's just not anything you can do. And so what we have in mind to do is not save every pine tree, create corridors and strips. Since he's already got the pines planted and he told us it's a blank slate. He said, act like the trees aren't even there. I don't care if you come and tell me to kill every single one of them. So treat it as a blank slate. So then, man, we can really do some work with that. And, and I, I want to pause you there real quick and say that's not, that may not be everyone's goal or position or, or opportunity to manage like that. But what we're saying is, keep in mind, even devoting 10 acres of an 80-acre chunk is going to be way more improved. Way more improved and really isolate some activity too. So don't feel like you have to give up an 80-acre section if you are someone that has got pines and you're like, well, I still, I still a little, I'm more reliant on that, on that pine income. Okay. That's totally fine. Work within that. Like work within your own parameters. But here are some suggestions to that you could you could do even on areas that aren't growing pines well, or areas that would be better suited for wildlife within within a given property, within a given unit of a property. So keep keep that in mind. We're not saying you have to go to necessarily this extreme, but do some of these practices within areas that you're comfortable, whichever that might be. So. We want to manage for that landowner's goals, not just for a, a stinking pine tree. Um, well, his of, goal was for sure deer management. I yes. mean, he wants he wants to grow and hold and harvest mature bucks. Yep. Um, you know he don't he don't care about the pines near as much. He wants the pines there just because hey, that's what we've always done. That's what everybody does, and you know we can make a little money here or there, hopefully in the future. But yep. he's like, that's not. I don't need the pine for the for the money," he said. "I just I just need the habitat. I want I want to kill big deer. Yes, and, and and cared about some turkeys and loved that there were quail there too. So like, was he managing specifically for this? No, but he had them in his mind as well. So, what what's what's some of the prescriptions there? Well, you would think we'd just go and just make a huge big old food plot right there off in the middle of it, but <laughs> that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we made two little small food plots, um, basically because it didn't really where we would put food plots. Um, there wasn't a lot of area that was just what I would say phenomenal food plot. Um, no. and so we made some little food plots and, uh, but the, the main thing we did was just, we're going to maintain different stages, a mosaic, if you will, of different type habitats across this whole entire block. To where based on slope i mean the 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 farm had a lot of topography it did and yeah. uh, it was rolling all the way across it in every direction and uh and so using that topography we're able to create kind of um a mosaic of different habitats based on the slope angle yep yep and and that's pretty you know not every farm in the southeast is going to have some topography but i bet i bet if someone really looks at it with a, a, a slightly keener eye and it doesn't take a ton of topography to change plant communities to change shade opportunities um from from a wildlife standpoint and that's the thing about like regionally specific management that we all consider at land legacy like that's one of our managing principles is manage for where you're at and uh one of the things to, to really keep in mind is is the heat the length of the growing season um consideration for what does what does september and october really look like from you know within deer season and chasing deer uh it's still hot so we're keeping in mind hey are there little bowls are there little ravines um on a on an east or a north facing slope that guess what it's okay if there's some pine trees growing there because there'll be there'll be pockets, there'll be some areas of shade um, that those pines will eventually provide. And during 
those times, there's going to be some decent refuge that deer can get out of the heat. They are, they'll be able to seek some of that shade. So if, Absolutely. There, if there is a benefit to a pine, it's going to be that. Like, that's the only thing, because it's not food. And and really, Alan, you made a great point on the, the part one podcast um, of, like, you know, everyone wants to talk about the cover value of years zero through six from a whitetail standpoint. They're not wrong with that. But it's not because the pine trees. It's because it's the it's all the other successional plants, early successional plants and the heights, the structure that are provided through those plants. It's just the fact that you didn't mow it between year zero and six because there was pines growing there. You just, it's essentially saved it, right? Um, yeah. So, so if, if there is a value to pines that are more closed canopy, it's going to be the fact that they can provide some shade and shade is important because September, late August, September, and October um, can be can be a stressful time frame in the South. I mean that that is from a foraging standpoint and from a heat standpoint. So we want to consider that and have that um, in like relative. And we can build that in based on slope aspect and topography. See, so opposed to letting just or let's say opposed to managing hardwood re-sprouts and whatnot in those areas well we know we're gonna get shade back quicker if we do allow some of those pines to remain and stay so they're not gonna get sprayed out at this stage right 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 yeah we're gonna keep a little bit and then you know we're keeping a little bit also to kind of steer deer exactly where we want them to go we want to we want to create corridors that are fairly easy for deer to travel also gives us the opportunity to slip in and out, um, get in our stand clean, and and we're we're le- leaving these corridors to where it's going to make more traffic across the farm, and we're going to know where that traffic is. We're gonna we're gonna put it strategically as opposed to where they would be traveling where we didn't really want them to travel. We can we can kind of steer them exactly where we want them to go, and have a have a plan laid out to where it's going to hunt really really well. I, I I get excited when I look at the map that we've created, the the boundary roads, the um, the ability to slip through, slip through some let's say buffer strips of pine and then boom pop out to like the real goodies of the farm, um, the south the west slopes um, that are going to be managed differently, right? Very differently. Um, right. And, and then you've got those corridors that are connecting dense bedding pockets to another dense bedding pocket or or to a food um plot location so like this the the movement of wildlife on that place is going to drastically change but we looked at topography we looked at where we wanted to hold deer where you had to hold deer based on access points and then thus pine management how does that play in or how does it honestly how does that not play in um and that you know at the end of the day, there's there's roughly 80 acres to, to deal with. I would say it's really more 70 acres of the place that, that was replanted. Um, I don't know. There might be all those all those areas added up, 30, 35 acres of, of pines that are buffer and corridors and or some north slope areas um, that are left, some deeper drainages. But, but most importantly, I think one of the biggest questions is then, Alan, some people are asking, like, okay, got it. There's that percentage. Um, because what in the world, then, are you doing with the rest of the acres? Because I can't even imagine what, what like, if it's not a pine tree in the south, what is it? <laughs> like, that's, someone's thinking that right now. So what are we doing with the rest of those acres? And how are we taking it from where it's at right now to to the the next step or stage of um, management for this for this. 80 acres on the farm well we're going to have to keep where it's at right now we're going to to keep it in that stage and then have different stages of it there's going to be stages where it's going to be more if you think brood habitat um this this man uses uses chemicals a lot has chemicals at his um disposal pretty easy and he's going to be able to go in there and manage that with herbicide that he needs to to keep it from being too woody 
Yep. Because um, there will be a lot of elm and stuff like that, sweet yep. gum, Post that are going to try to just bolt mm-hmm. as soon as, you know, it gets sunlight for a year or two and a lot of rain, it'll be 10 foot tall pretty quick. Yep. Um, so he will have to go in there and treat some of that occasionally, but we're also going to use a lot of fire and fire at different time frames. We're not just only going to burn dormant season. Yep. Um, there's going to be some dormant season fires. There's going to be some growing season fires and, uh, and split that up across the property to where you have a mosaic of different stages, but all in the stage that is beneficial to wildlife, not letting it go too far because yep. that's no better than a pine stand that's when right. it does that. That's right. Um, once it goes to, to 10 foot tall, it's not, and it would be so stemmy that nothing will really be able to use it very much. Correct. A lot of things may traverse through it if there's a decent trail through it or they skirt around it. Um, there's, there's that kind of point of like, good, 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 boop. Now it's really bad, <laughs> and it gets right. there. It gets there super fast. I think people, um, people really, really often miss that. Um, so yeah, like the, the you wind up letting it go a, a year or two too long because it was so good. Yes, and it's like sometimes you got to manipulate it while it's still good. Oh yeah, the peak is the peak is high, but the backside of that peak drops very rapidly on usage um, of wildlife. And, and again, I think people get blinded by the peak and, um, and, and, and oftentimes just completely miss it. So, um, through the usage, yes, of herbicides, through the usage of burn rotations and burn intervals as well, because we want some areas to be, if you will, managed more herbaceously, right? We, why not from, from, cause this is what a golden opportunity it is to convert, all that open sky and sunlight that we have into rich herbaceous plants that that are going to be very beneficial from a foraging standpoint for whitetails, from a nesting cover, from a brooding cover, from a from quail cover to literally hold quail all year round, um, and and feed just a polity or fawning cover. Uh, we could turn and put all that energy into herbaceous plants, and that's why I don't really care about the food plot like there it's not like growing season wise there's gonna be any shortage of food this this property when it's managed in this way will be pulling deer from a long ways away based on the surrounding area i mean it's going it's going to attract a pile of deer and it already is as a fresh clear cut and a fresh pine reseeding um there's browse in a lot of places we walked and and um so we're going to manage for that. And then one of the other way, or one of the other, let's say, stages that we're going to be managing for is for some, for some denser cover and allowing some different stages and, and more hardwood species. So a burn timing would be a little bit different in, in those pockets. And essentially that's going to be where we're trying to isolate deer and hold them um, during the winter time frame, right? We can't hold them yeah. in a one-year-old clear cut nearly as good as you do with a three-year-old clear cut that's had some dormant season fires and allowed some some woody sprouts to come in there um, and be better cover. So fire and herbicide at that point is going to be the way to distinguish the remainder of those acres and create more corridor type, or not, excuse me, not corridor type cover, but, but more growing season forage um, and then some dormant season cover that's higher value and woody browse at the same time too. Like all these components, I feel like people are very commonly hearing. Um, they may not try to apply them to the Southeast, but how many, how many times, uh, I guess, I think, I think one of the other um, common thoughts from a listener standpoint could be, well, woody browse is great if you're mid latitude and North and really they hit it a ton in the summer. How much browsing did we see on woody plants when we were down in the south? Oh, man, tons, tons. I mean, and, and I can speak to that just on, on my own farm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can literally just drive anywhere that I've ever cut trees. And it could be whether I did it with a skid steer, whether I did it with fire, or whether I did it with a timber harvest. I mean, you go out there right now, that's the most heavily browsed thing that i have yeah. is woody woody sprouts yep 
I mean, bar none. <laughs> bar none. Uh, one, one place in southern Georgia, there was uh, a recent thinning, and um, the, the water oak that was coming back and some of the uh, live oak sprouts that were coming back. I mean, deer were pounding them. Just crushing them. It was pretty impressive. And there was a lot of good, you know, that, that farm actually had a lot of good legume species as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That were actually not even being browsed nearly as hard well, they as the woody sprouts. selecting them. 100%. Yeah. It was not a, well, this is what's available. I probably ought to eat it. It was, no, that's what I want. That's what I want right now. So right. hardwood and woody sprouts managed for six foot and lower that is important in the southeast, just as it is everywhere else. Because at the end of the day, guess what? We are still managing the white-tailed deer. And we have to understand the diets of the white-tailed deer and uh, what they want, what they need. And when it's successful, they will utilize it. So, I mean, hopefully that, that one scenario from a standpoint of, hey, here's, here's really early pines, young pines freshly seeded um we kill a lot with fire early on let you know let another year's worth of growth happen um burn out the areas that uh, we're trying to manage for uh succession and not have pines and probably do a lot of damage on those um but the other other ones um can can if you will go through their similar um pine production stage can get another aerial spraying to clean up stuff that didn't work and we'll eventually run fire through them but um gotta create diversity we gotta we gotta create uh opportunity for for wildlife so um I, i'm excited to see really how that place turns and um rounds rounds a corner from where it's at right now which is a great stage right we talked about just how much biodiversity there was there and how much wildlife we're use, utilizing it um but it's only going to get better as there's more diversity in the next few years stages regeneration um, continued continued disturbance that happens there. And, and I want people to realize this too. Most, most people would walk onto that farm and look at it and say, gosh, that thing, let's say in the next, you know, four years, gosh, this thing looks hairy. What is going on here? But it may look hairy, scraggly, shag carpety, but I can tell you it's intentional. <laughs> like yes. just just cuz it doesn't may not look super well maintained and, and and I I would argue that but to most I don't want to say untrained eyes but but to like you have to dig deeper right to what's going on but but what this is going to be is is very intentional management um and, and I and I already know what the response from wildlife is going to be they're going to be it's going to be heavily utilized um so I'm excited. Well, and I know what the response from wildlife would be if you just let it all go back to pines. And 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 I mean, everyone the, the does quail too. would the quail would be gone in two years. Yeah, yeah, and 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 and, and everybody listening too <laughs> knows it. Um, they know that that there's a there's a there's a decrease that's gonna be that's gonna happen on that farm, right? If 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 you don't step in, but but we're here to ask the question: Why don't you step in based on your goals? And so. You know, we have to have these conversations, and um, I would say too, like to to a landowner, saying, "Wow, that sounds crazy. That sounds this." Number one, remember we're listening to the landowner's goals and objectives. Number two, consider where you're getting all your information, right? Um, and this is not a bash on foresters. This is this is the reality of it, though. Their goals and objectives. Um, differ from from wildlife like they're there to procure trees they get paid through production harvesting of trees or majority of them um and so right they're going to push pines and they're going to push trees and they're going to push the protection of those trees um so if you're a wildlife minded person and you're directly working with a, a forester and they say oh yeah we can make it more wildlife friendly they're going to make a pine forest more wildlife friendly, but they're not going to tell you to do what we just suggest on doing and getting rid of pine. So No different than that. a row cropper that's got a field of corn. Yeah. He's going to do everything he can to make every corn produce as much as it possibly can. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that's the forester's job. Yep. 
But yep. just because you've got a, a monoculture of corn does not mean it's great wildlife habitat. That's right. That is right. There's a there's a crop to be harvested. Um, there's a crop to be grown, and and that's what the forester that's what they that's what their job is. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not bashing that, but I I I do want people to know that although you may they may be working with the same species or the same land that doesn't mean that they're going to get the same result as someone who comes in and listens to the landowner's goals and objectives and creates what the what the land needs to support those goals and objectives for the landowner's behalf like it is it's it's different it's different again i'm not i'm not trying to bash at all i'm just saying that there is a difference between management with with those goals objectives in mind and obviously as someone's if you're still listening to this podcast and you haven't turned us off because you're like kill pine trees what (laughs) then then you realize that that's that degree of things right is is not going to be something you're going to to hear from probably many consultants whatsoever but from a forester because that's that's not it's not their that's not their job to do that really though either. So like let's not expect them to do that. And and again, foresters have their place. We work with foresters all the time. It's just the reality of the scenario and situation. And and uh I think a, I think a lot of people probably don't want to talk on that, but it is what it is. And that's okay. We just need to know that like, hey, man, they're great for they're great for this. Let's plug them into into that aspect. Um so Keeping that in mind, um, in my opinion, is is relative to the management, specifically natural resource management as a whole on a recreational property. They're they're going to be utilized, but where they're not utilized, let's not try and plug them in. Um, that being said, what about what about someone who doesn't have a fresh new pine seeding? Let's say they've got the Let's say they're in the the pre-commercial thinning stages, right? They might have bought the farm. They didn't have to actually, you know, um, um, plant the pines themselves. But they're at the 12 to 15, 16, 17-year stage, and they're realizing, wow, I can't get someone here. What do I do? What would you suggest to them, Alan? Because there's a lot of people in that stage. They planted in, um, they planted in, you know, Oh six, oh seven, yep, twenty ten. What, what, where, where are they at right now, in regards to, what do they do? What's feasible? What's achievable? Well, in a, in a, in in the in the whitetail world, they're they're probably not very good for habitat anymore. And now, um, I mean, one of the best things that you could possibly do for a stand like that is to break it apart, just like we broke this other farm apart. Um, maybe you've got a few food plots, maybe you've got some travel corridors that you've established. If you can even establish them in a pine monoculture, sometimes it gets very, very difficult because they're just willy nilly through the whole thing. Yeah. Unless you have the topography. Yes. Um, but now let's take that and let's make it a mosaic. Let's, let's have some stages, some parts of it that you're going to burn during the summertime. Um, some parts that you're going to burn dormant season and, don't be afraid to kill a few. I mean, a few thousand, <laughs> a, few, a few thousand, because I mean, a few thousand are not going to be that much money anyway. Yeah. Um, that and and honestly, you'll you'll probably find it's harder to kill them than what you think. Yeah. Um, I I did a burn in my driveway where I literally had I had the pines thin, but they didn't thin them as hard as I wanted them thin, but at least got a, got some cut, so I had some sunlight, and I'm talking about about May fifth, somewhere right in there. It was hot, it was dry, and it was extremely windy, and really low humidity. All the day, all the things that you're not supposed to burn on. <laughs> oh, I lit her up. Yeah. I had real good fire breaks, and I lit that baby up, and I think I might have killed three pine trees. Yeah, but what I killed was all the sweet gum mm-hmm. had some low areas in there that had a bunch of cottonwood that were 
bigger than my waist and 40 foot tall smoked them wow um and the 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 herbaceous response is just absolutely unbelievable chest high um ragweed pokeweed i mean just all the first you know the the first disturbance species or burnweed they're all just going crazy and the deer browse literally in my driveway i mow right down the edge of these pines i got a little strip of grass right beside it and the whole way i'm mowing down this this strip and i'm talking about it's like almost in town and uh the deer browse is just non-stop all the way down the edge of it now i never see a deer right there ever yep but they're hammering all of those plants all along the edge and it just create a little mosaic of that and that, this spot's not very big it's right. maybe 10 acres well take 10 acres what's what's 10 acres of pine trees doing you on your farm as it stands take 10 acres just devote that part to wildlife and i, I promise you you're not going to kill every tree in it no you're going to have to try to kill every tree in it and and make a little bit of it good for whitetails. I, I, um, think about this: like most most pine monoculture type farms, they've got a loading dock or two on them, and and right now that's about the 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 only open areas on most of them. They might have a an SMZ stream management zone that's still hardwoods that that cuts throughout it, but other than that. There's generally just again a lack of diversity. So, let's say you've got a hundred and a hundred acres. Take ten percent of that. Take ten percent of it, and devote it into something different. It's not going to hurt the bank all that bad. But from a wildlife response scenario, it it's going to be it it's going to change the way that property hunts because there's a lit like there's there's some value at least to some acres there. And then you've probably got some that are just not doing as well as others. Oh yeah. Um, maybe it's a little bit lower ground. Choose those areas. I mean, sure. you know, don't go take your most productive trees and do that to it. But like, I guarantee you there are areas on the farm that are not growing as well as other areas or more. Maybe they didn't get as good of a, a kill when they, when they did the planting. Uh-huh. whatever it is take those areas that are not the greatest and turn them into the best like those areas that in my opinion that have got a lot of hardwood competition i want to yes. go to those because guess what i can cut the hardwoods i can kill the pines and those hardwoods are going to regenerate and they're like that's added food that's that's potential when you walk into those areas so it might be more work but okay, I'm going to get more value out of it than if I select an area that's just strictly only pines. We Sure, herbaceous <clears throat> vegetation is going to come back into those areas that were just where pines died, but I can have herbaceous and hardwood sprouts, and we just talked about the value and the amount of har- the browsing levels on the hardwood sprouts that we've been seeing. Um, holy cow, that's a lot. Or, I, I honestly, at that point, I hardly care if it's a dadgum sweet gum cut it just let some of it regenerate from a structure standpoint and then yeah, manage at least you it with got fire. cover now yeah yeah like i i mean that's that's the dire situation need that i feel like most people don't don't think about there because i literally verbally just said i don't care if it's a sweet gum at that point like i hate sweet gums but but please utilize cut it utilize some of it for cover and then burn that 10 acres um like you can use devote half devote five acres of the ten to allowing hardwood sprouts to come in and then and then five acres of the other to just be herbaceous like we just talked about in the in the other example the scale's just a little bit different here um do, do like just just intercede and do something break it up maintain it differently i promise that 10 acres is going to be the hot spot it's going to be the area that you want to go to please don't put a feeder in that because you'll mess it up but like Go hunt that area. There'll be diversity. There'll be a lot of wildlife. There'll be usage. Do two of them. Do do and two then, five acre blocks, right? Break it up, and you'll have a, you'll have a transitional zone in between. You find a pinch point. Absolutely. Between uh, maybe it's a ridge, maybe it's the top of a drain, maybe it's a saddle. Put one on either side of it. 
I mean, the opportunity is endless out there if you think creatively, but but the box, if you will, and, and I'm sorry I'm harping on the southeast, but this could be this could be Tennessee, this could be Virginia, this could be uh, Arkansas, um, this could be pines in the north. This could be white pines, but please do something. And 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 it's and it's tough, but like the 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 box that that if you will, a lot of the the landscape is in is is um, so rigid, and and our minds I think have become and a perspective have become so um, conditioned and and rigid as well in the way that we think about it. But it doesn't have like diversity and complexity and opportunity because can can be great if we think out if we just step right outside the box and say oh wow here's here's a new fresh set of ideas whammo we can create some awesome stuff pretty quickly yeah it's it's really really hard to hunt just say a hundred acre pine block oh god i mean where where are you where are you gonna hunt i'll pass you're gonna hunt the edges that's about all you're gonna be able to do and even then the edges are not really going to be very defined movement. Yeah. But you go and take some of those little, just, just like you said, 10%, do 10%, a couple of blocks in there, man. Then you're going to know how to hunt that little area. Oh gosh. It's going to be shooting fish in a barrel. It won't even be fair. If I'm a deer, I know where I'm going. I'm going where the food's at. I'm going where the cover's at. It's it's yeah. it's not and and here's the thing, there's deer in these areas. There's still deer that that make it through. Now they're they're not they're not thriving, but they're still deer to hunt in pine pine dominated areas. We all know that, but let's let let let's let's attract them to some to to some acreage. And, and again, ten percent's not hard. Um, you want to step it up, do more. Like if, if that's the case, then I'm probably not doing it all by hand. Um, I, I'm, I still might use fire to thin them out, but I might, heck, I might call in the helicopter. I might, I might spray <coughs> them out and people are like, Oh my gosh, what's that going to cost? It's not as ridiculous as what you think. Um, you, you might, you might, if it, if it's not in a huge stage, old, old stage of pines, um, you might call a TSI crew. Do I like the idea of standing um, dead pine trees everywhere on the property? No, I don't love it. But I don't like standing old pine trees that haven't been thinned either. Like, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. It's like, do you want to be conscious of where, where you have standing dead timber when you're utilizing fire? Absolutely. Um, and, and I don't love the idea of of just thinning with a chainsaw and leaving a ton of debris on the ground that's also going to be heavier fuels from a prescribed fire. Don't love that scenario. Um, but but I, 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 at the end of the day, I like the end result a lot better than continuing to, to wait on a logger or wait on um, a mill to change. But again, that's not really going to change because of the inventory we talked about last week on part one. Do I love any of those scenarios uh, perfectly? No. But at the same time frame, there's a lot of people out there who are kind of desperate. And so desperate times call for desperate measures. And um, I think, Alan, a lot of people don't realize that, that there is some, some desperation there. Maybe this podcast will bring it to light some. Um, please listen to part one and two so you have better context of it. When And why we're saying legitimately bring out the helicopter or bring out a TSI crew to thin them. Um, but that's the reality of the scenario. And and I, I wonder, too, if a lot of people that, that own pines have even, you know, they, they've got this thought in their head, well, when they get this age, I'm going to harvest them. Yeah. Well, have they even had the, the, the forester or the logger out to even talk about a time frame of harvesting them? Can they even get equipment back there to harvest them? What's what's the the hurdles they're going to have to jump through to get these pines yes. harvested? Yes. Have they even gone that route yet? Mm-hmm. Because I'm I'm telling you, if you haven't already gone through all of that, you may be in for a shock. Whenever you you're like, well, my pines are ready, you start calling foresters, and now, well, don't know that you're going to be able to get them cut because of this, this, or this. This may sound like a foreign language to to those who haven't had those conversations yet. Um, but again, from a, from a response to part one of the podcast, 
had many people reach out. And the reason that there was a part one and a part two of this podcast exists is because we've been running into it for the past few years. This is a problem. And if you haven't realized it's a problem yet, call, call Forrester, call a logger, figure it out, see what, see what the opportunity is in, in, in your neighborhood. And you may be, you may not be subject to it as bad as other people because of your distance to a mill, right? Exactly. You, you need to figure this out for yourself because this may not be a hundred percent applicable. And I hope it's not like, I hope you're not in this scenario, but if you are, I still want to provide you with some what do we do next? What is the next step if if we're handcuffed due to market inventory, supply, demand, difficulty of harvesting, um, impossibility of harvesting those scenarios? Because they're out there, seen them, walked them. We got to have a solution. So here here's some some opportunity. You know, Matt, we talked all about you know what if you can't get them cut. Well, maybe we should talk a little bit about well. Now you do have the logger lined up. You're about to thin some pines. Um, let's not just go in there and thin the pines just like everybody else goes and thins the pines. So you got however many hundred of acres, you're going to clear the whole entire, you're going to thin the whole entire thing exactly the same. Why don't we take a few of these areas and clear cut them? Yeah, clear cut them early. Like, like just go ahead and knock them out early so that – you're, you're not having to pay somebody to come in and do all of that. Mm-hmm. Now you've got these little pockets of diversity and stuff. Like, let's, let's, let's do some things. Let's think outside the box while you've got the logger there as well. I would, uh, and this is an exact scenario that got um, for, for a couple of folks working with in Virginia, North Carolina. When they come, because they're, they're, they'll come eventually, but when they come, we're not acting like it's a pre-commercial thinning. Like we're getting we're getting all the work we need done now. There's still going to be some areas like little strips and corridors and buffers and whatnot that can be easily managed with fire or with hand tools or with a skid steer. We don't need large equipment to manage those those margins, right? Uh, we can we can handle that. But they're just they're just going to grow up as as bigger, taller pine trees. Great, fantastic. But the but majority you have to of thin them, again in five yeah, to ten years. Yes, yes. But the majority of it is going to get clear cut from there. We'll we'll add the diversity through um, burning intervals, timing of fire, um, timing of any other herbicide applications that might be needed. Um, we're we're going to try and promote um, hardwood regeneration back into those areas. We may plant some. Not, the 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 world is the endless opportunities there, but but. Please, please, please don't think that your only option is to go to pine. That is 100% false. Because at one point, some of the areas that you were standing in that are pine currently in your area were once pastures. They were once ag fields. They were once hardwood blocks of timber or, or a mix of hardwood and pine timber. Don't Let's not act like 50 years ago that everything that you're looking at in pine trees has always been a pine monoculture because that's not that's far so far from the truth. We can do essentially whatever we want with those areas. It's just just it's a mindset change, and that that's what we're suggesting to have is a mindset change of how those areas need to be managed moving forward. And you've already spent so much money on you're buying the property to hunt on. Yeah. And yes, you're wanting to have pine trees to help offset some of that cost, but you're really shooting yourself in the foot when you're not managing the property to be able to hunt on it. Yeah. It's like, why did you even do that? There's a lot better investments out there if you just wanted to invest. Oh, 100%. And, and so all, you've got to have that mindset of, is this a recreational hunting property or is this a pine tree farm yep. it, and you just got to understand that you're going to do, do things a lot different with a a whitetail hunting property than you will a pine tree farm 100 percent. i know this is a hard pill to swallow too um and and this is not a common thread <laughs> at the same time either that you're hearing you might be hearing this for the first time you might be thinking those dudes are crazy 
<laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. But but do me a favor and and come back and listen to this podcast in a week, right? Have a conversation in that week time frame of other people that own property like this. Man, branch out, spread out, have these conversations because they're going to come up. You're going to find that wow, this isn't this isn't all that like unheard of. Um, this is a scenario, and and I'm not gonna say, hey, you heard it first here, but but this is a scenario that's going to continue to occur for people. So it may not be super popular now, um, but give it some more time. Uh, that like, but but don't don't turn us off and not think about it because the scenario is just going to continue to be playing itself out, and and that be that's some foreshadowing or what wrong. And and I hope that I'm wrong there, but I d- I don't necessarily think that that we are, Alan. And and so, trying to get on the the front end of things for people, um, and some people it's at the back end. They've been dealing with this problem for years, and and yeah. uh, I hate that for them, but it is what it is. And so, um, we'll do our best to provide a solution, um, or a scenario that is going to play out in their favor um, and give them some tangible tools. So um, call us crazy. That's fine. I already knew that. We already are. But <laughs> consider it and and um, come back to this podcast again. Save it. Um, but if you are one of those landowners and you're having difficulty, I encourage you to reach out. Like, we want to help you. We want to find those win-wins. We want to find those scenarios. Um, and we want to help your property become more diverse so it improves the huntability, so it improves your opportunity, your memories to be made with your family on that property. Um, again, I, I we sound crazy, but, but at the end of the day, um, I, I know what what we're creating for other people who have done practices like this. Um, and they're not they're not singing the blues. There's some great opportunities and a lot of wildlife and a lot of wins that they're having on their place despite what's happening around them. Um so if you wanna if you wanna experience that, um man, we're we're here for it. Alan, you're you're right there in the southeast. You're living and breathing this thing, man. Um, That's right. You're you're available doing, to help doing people. some of the same work myself. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh reach out to us. Um go to the website landlegacy.tv go to consulting tab send an inquiry um, reach out via via social media um, and we just want to hear from you but Alan any any, any other um, thoughts any other additions that you got on your brain before we wrap this thing up I think I think we've got it pretty good I can't think of anything else right now good deal good deal well man I appreciate your time today um, appreciate uh you sitting on your back porch and me sitting on my front porch in Missouri and you're in Alabama and we can still have a sweet conversation um, and, and talk about things that, that we're passionate about. Um, I, I appreciate it and appreciate everyone else listening to, um, to, to the podcast and enjoying this uh, natural resource management and enjoying getting out into, uh, into creation and, and managing this stuff. This is, this is fun. This is a blessing. And um, um, hopefully encourage someone hopefully it wasn't too discouraging <laughs> but hopefully, <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully we encourage someone on part two and uh get, get your uh get your mind thinking outside of the box but appreciate you guys listening and uh we'll catch you guys here next week yeah.